Welcome to the Fully Engaged Fitness Podcast, where you'll be hearing from the top fitness experts from the engaged personal training community of businesses. These include client interviews and success stories, insights and tips from our top fitness experts, and the unique approach that we bring to our clients that have helped transform thousands of lives over the last 10 years in business. Don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast so that you can be the first one in the know. Now let's get into this episode. What's going on, guys? This is Coach Katie over at Malvern coming at you with my training tip today. And it's going to be a little bit different. We're not going to talk about the physical fitness or nutrition side of things per se, but more about the mental side of why we start a fitness journey or why we are embarking on taking on a new challenge or a new goal. And this is a message that's very important to me because over the last six years of training, I've worked with many, many different people, various different goals and journeys that they're about to head out on. And it's been more common than not that all of this comes from a place of self-hatred. And we all need a reason to get into a fitness journey. And if you were to technically break it all down, any reason could be a good reason because this journey is so good for you. But when I studied this in school and we talked about creating behavior change or making long-lasting changes that truly are life-altering, coming from a place of self-hatred never gets us the same results as coming from a place of just genuinely wanting to improve ourselves. So what we're going to walk through today is three different steps of actually changing your behavior and making your fitness journey something that's going to serve you for life and having that come from a place that isn't hating yourself or beating yourself up for everything that you haven't accomplished so far. So there's going to be three things we talk about. We're going to talk about this word called self-efficacy that maybe you don't know, self-esteem, which is probably something you've heard before, and then we're going to talk about what you actually do when you're growing and when you're creating this behavior change. So what's the difference between self-efficacy and self-esteem is what we'll talk about first. Self-esteem is your overall value and respect that you have for yourself. I think a lot of people think about self-esteem as something that can't be changed. It can be changed. Um, It's something that we can actively work on and improve. And then self-efficacy is something that is more specific. So if you were to take self-esteem and narrow it down to one specific goal or outcome, That would be self-efficacy. It's saying, I can make this change. I have belief in my ability to succeed in achieving this specific outcome or specific goal. So you can't get there without self-esteem. Self-esteem can come from changing your narrative. So oftentimes when starting a fitness journey or starting on a new goal, people will start with this narrative of, I hate who I am, or I'm so disgustingly fat, I'm not worthy, phrases that are just so negative towards themselves. If you can change your narrative to more of, I'm not at my potential, or I want to improve my health, you will be setting yourself up for success because you're speaking to yourself in a much different tone. I like to talk about this with a phrase called blissful dissatisfaction. And what blissful dissatisfaction is saying, I value myself and where I'm at in this present moment, but I know I'm not at my highest potential. So the way you can think of it is, we're always working to reach our 100%. We may never truly get to our 100% of our potential. We'd be doing ourselves a disservice though if we weren't constantly working to get there. Most people say have accomplished 80%. Instead of giving themselves credit for the 80% that they've accomplished, they focus on the 20% that they haven't yet accomplished and beat themselves up for it relentlessly. 
if you were to sit in this stage of blissful dissatisfaction, you'd be like, hey, you know what? I still got 20% to go. I've got a decent amount of work to put in, but I'm going to give myself credit and respect and value for everything that I've accomplished so far. And that will give us a better place to launch off of and actually create this long lasting behavior change. So how do you even get to this point of being blissfully dissatisfied? These are four questions that I'm going to give you that creates a believable change statement. So we have to kind of get into this mindset of change thinking where we know we've got something we've got to do. Um, We're going to give ourselves some value and some respect of everything we've done so far, but acknowledge the fact that there's a change that's going to be made. So I'm a person who likes to write down notes when I listen to podcasts. If you write down anything, write down these four questions. They're going to be one, what are my feelings? Two, what are the facts in this? Three, what are the strengths I have to change this? And maybe put a couple stars next to that question because I think it's the most important. And four, what's the true statement? So if we looked at an example of what this could look like, specific to a fitness-related journey, the first question, what are my feelings? That could be, I'm a lost cause because I'm so fat and lazy. There's a lot of emotions tied to that statement. It's very self-negative. There's not much to work with. That's just beating ourselves up for the sake of beating ourselves up. The second question, what are the facts in this? My weight is not where I want it to be, and I'm currently not prioritizing it. This is an objective statement. There's no emotions tied there. It's just, what are the facts of what I'm telling myself in a very emotionally driven statement? The third one then, like I said, probably the most important question. What are the strengths I have to change this? I'm smart and I can find the right resources for me and I can do the work. That's the blissful dissatisfaction. That's looking at the 80% of the tools and strengths that we have that have made us capable of achievement so far so that we can get to that next 20%. So then the last question, what's the true statement? I'm not satisfied with my current weight, but I know I'll work hard. The difference between the phrase and question number one and question number four is massive. That statement of question number four is actually going to give you high self-esteem, increase the value and respect that you have for yourself, so you're able to make a change. If we focus on everything that we think badly about ourselves, we're never going to be able to make a change because we don't believe in our overall self-worth to accomplish anything. So that's self-esteem. It's change thinking. It's asking ourselves questions to give ourselves this place of blissful dissatisfaction and actually make improvement. That lets us then work on self-efficacy. Again, this is specific self-esteem to one goal or outcome that we want to have. Again, something that can be influenced and changed, we just have to put a little bit of work in. So there's four things that influence self-efficacy. They are past performances, vicarious experiences, verbal persuasion, and physiological cues. So past performances. The domino effect of good goal setting is that we create small wins. We have to be able to set really good small goals so that we can continuously stack up these small wins and give ourselves the knowledge that we've done this before. Our brain is always trying to predict what's going to come. It can't create its predictive model if there's nothing to base it off of. So setting small, smart goals, not these massive goals where we don't have any checkpoints where we can be like, yep, did that, did that one too, is going to be so much better for improving our self-efficacy. So if we have all of those wins under our belt, we increase our self-efficacy in one of the avenues that we have an impact over. The second one then is vicarious experiences. So 
The question I like to ask here is, do the actions of your community support your goals? Our community is so impactful on the way that we view our own personal ability to accomplish things. And you can look at this on the positive and on the negative side of things. If we surround ourselves with people who don't set those smart small goals and don't have continuous wins and they set themselves up for failure, they fail and they go through this cycle of just beating themselves up and focusing on all the negative, chances are we're going to group ourselves with those people. That's how our brain works, is to associate ourselves with the outcomes of everyone else in our community. On the positive side of things, if we surround ourselves with people who are setting themselves up for success, who have these wins and accomplishments, we're going to look at them and be like, those are my friends. If that's something that they can do, then that's something that I can do as well. And there's a study um, that's been done where they have people stand at the bottom of the hill. They have them standing there alone. They have them standing there thinking about being with their friends and they have them actually standing there with one of their friends or someone that they love and they assess them on how steep they think the hill is, how difficult they think it's going to be be to climb up it. And what they find is that when people think about doing it with others who could help them or who are like them, we perceive things as less, less difficult. So it is truly impactful on our perception of our ability to complete or accomplish things based off of those people around us. So that's our own past performances, and that's the performances and experiences of other people. Those are two of the four things that can have an influence on increasing or decreasing our self-efficacy. So the third one is verbal persuasion. And verbal persuasion has two different parts to it. It has the individual side of things, and then it has the community side of things. On the individual side, we've got self-esteem. That's what we just talked about working on improving. That's change thinking. That's asking ourselves those four questions so we can put ourselves in a place where we know that we're going to be able to accomplish a task because we have a higher level of self-value and self-worth. On the community side of things, like we just talked about, the people who are around us and the things that they say to us and say about themselves, it's going to have a big impact on our ability to believe in ourselves to accomplish something. So making sure that the thoughts that come out of the community that's around us line up with what we want to accomplish. Maybe we're still working on that self-esteem and it's going to be a little bit lower or take some time to improve. That then means it's going to be very important that we have the community around us to make up for that so we can increase this verbal verbal persuasion to increase our self-efficacy. On the other side of things, if we haven't yet found that community, which I would like to say that most of you listening to this probably have because you're a member of an engage or engaged gym and you have your coaches and the other people in your classes, then you can use your self-esteem if you weren't to have that community to help increase this. When you have the two, that's where magic happens. So those are three. The last way to increase self-efficacy then is through physiological cues. So physiological cues are just things that happen in our body. Most people think of like butterflies in your stomach or a racing heart rate. They are just physical things that are going on in our body, but it's our perception of what's going on, the context that's around it, that makes us associate it with a certain emotion or feeling. So butterflies in your stomach could be seen as either anxiety or excitement. If we put ourselves in a place or use different tools to kind of trick our brain into thinking it's one opposed to the other, then we'll be in a better place to feel comfortable in a situation. So if you're walking into the gym for the first time and you're like, I don't know if I'm able to do this, my stomach feels a little bit fluttery, you can 
tell yourself, this is excitement. My body is preparing itself to head into this new journey and I'm ready to take this on as opposed to just tying yourself down to the anxiety because that's not what it actually is. It's just something that's going on in your body and because you're maybe a little bit uncertain of the outcome that's about to happen, you associate it with anxiety. But it could be seen as an exciting event instead. So those are four different things that happen in our world that we can influence to increase our self-efficacy. Now, you don't have to adjust all of them at once, but between past performances, vicarious experiences, verbal persuasion, and physiological cues, there's probably one or two of them that you could work on at a time, and just increasing those is going to increase your self-efficacy a ton and help you get towards this place of long-lasting behavior change. So then the last stage is growth. And It truly takes courage to grow. It's something that many, many people say. It's terrifying because we don't want to be uncertain of what's going to happen and we don't want to see failure. Um, There's a bias, it's called the status quo bias where we stick to what's always been done because that's comfortable. Being comfortable is going to keep you where you're at, but it's not going to help you get where you need to go. You have to get really uncomfortable in order to make a long-lasting behavior change. But you can take away some of the discomfort by identifying barriers and reframing setbacks. So there's going to be things that come up. There's going to be roadblocks. There's going to be barriers. If you can get out ahead of time and predict what's going to happen and plan for it, you're going to be in a much better place than getting blindsided and having to whirlwind because you don't know what to do. So say that you're on a fitness journey and you know, hey, the next three months are going to be really stressful. I've got a work trip for one time a week, pretty much every single month. Cool. What are one or two things that we can put in place to help you take on these barriers? Maybe you have a coach write you a workout that you can do in your hotel room, or maybe you have a very specific nutrition plan that you can actually use in the hotel lobby breakfast area that's going to help you stay on track with your nutrition goals. That's going to help you stay successful while you're in this place of growth and trying to make this a long-lasting behavior that you can stick to. But you know what? Things don't always go to plan. So as much as we plan for those barriers and we try to get away from them, they're going to come up and that's okay. We can reframe our mindset around them because if we don't, the emotional cost of a setback is going to be far greater than the physical cost. One time a month of being slightly off track from your goals for a few months is not going to make or break all of the success that you've had so far, unless you let it. We have to let ourselves get into this mindset of, you know what, this is going to happen. I'm going to do the best that I can, but I know that when I return, I'm going to get right back on track and not let it spiral me and go into another three-month period of ups and downs and yo-yo dieting and getting myself off track. So we walk through self-esteem, creating your change statement, coming from a place of blissful dissatisfaction, knowing that we have the value in ourselves to be able to go on in life. And that lets us get to self-efficacy. Controlling your influencers. You've got four different areas where you can have an impact in your life to increase your belief in your specific outcome or goal. And then growth. Overcoming the status quo. Get uncomfortable. 
know that it's going to take a lot of courage. There's going to be work that has to be done to identify barriers and to reframe your mindset so that your setbacks don't just hold you back for another extended time period. But if you have a high self-esteem and you have a high self-efficacy, that growth stage is going to be a lot different than if you were to come from a place of self-hatred. But you got to know it starts with you. You have to be willing to put in the work, ask yourself the difficult questions up front of what are the facts, what are the strengths, how can I work on this? And I promise if you walk through all those stages, the long-lasting changes in your life are going to be a lot different than if you sit here and beat yourself up for everything else that you have not accomplished so far. So that's what I got as my training tip. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, head over to Engage Malvern and send me a message and I would be glad to talk more about this.